from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odestulet, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Welcome to A Baha'i Perspective. I recorded an interview with Hoda Kemp on February 16, 2015. Hoda is the president of Leading Edge Training Company in St. Paul, Minnesota. She's a subject matter expert in the areas of leadership training, strategic planning, technology training, team building, curriculum development, and diversity. Her interest in marriage and families has allowed her to discuss these issues on various platforms. Hoda has been facilitating marriage courses at various permanent and seasonal schools and communities in the United States for over 15 years. Through her efforts, a Preparing for Marriage course has been approved by the state of Minnesota for a marriage license discount. Hoda has a degree in training and organizational development from the University of Minnesota and has completed graduate-level coursework at the University of St. Thomas Executive Program. I started the interview by asking Hoda where she grew up and what was it like growing up there. I grew up in Minnesota, St. Paul, Minnesota, since I was eight years old, and this has been home to me during my childhood, adolescence, and most of my adult years. Minnesota is a state in the Midwest, which is predominantly Scandinavian background and known for its very cold weather here in the Midwest. So that's where I call home is St. Paul, Minnesota. And what was religious life like growing up? The state of Minnesota is predominantly Christian. I'm a member of the Baha'i faith. I've always felt accepted into the community as a Baha'i. I would say that people in this area are very open-minded and open to learning about religions and beliefs that they are not very familiar with. I would say that it's been a wonderful experience being able to share and exchange my beliefs with friends that I've made here. You grew up as a Baha'i then? I did grow up as a Baha'i, but as you may be aware, as a Baha'i, one of our fundamental teachings is that we have independent investigation of truth, meaning that we each have to explore and decide on our religion in our journey of life and decide if this is the path we want to take. So although I was raised in a Baha'i family, my parents always encouraged me to seek and learn about other religions, to read other holy scriptures, go to the synagogue, the mosque, the church, and find out about the beliefs, study it, and decide for myself what my religious beliefs were going to be. So it was a path that I took early on in my childhood and adolescent years. And as I explored various faiths, I came back to understanding that the Baha'i faith encompasses all those religions that I was studying. So it felt the most holistic approach for me to take in terms of our religion and belief system. I, I want to ask you about your name. The name Hoda is not one I'm familiar with. Hoda is an Arabic word, and it means the guider. My parents gave us names from 
around the world that they appreciated and liked. And my name is Hoda, which means the guider, which ironically goes along with the kind of profession I'm in, which is as a consultant or a trainer and I'm helping individuals in their journeys. But it was one that's given to me by my parents. I, I don't have any Arabic background, but I, I have an Arabic name. Are you second generation Baha'i? I am third generation Baha'i. It would be my grandparents who had learned of the faith and and had declared their faith in the prophet founder of the Baha'i faith, Baha'u'llah, whose name means the glory of God. I understand you're the president of Leading Edge Training Company. Can you tell us what that is? Yes, I, I founded the company about 18 years ago, and our work is involved in looking at how to help organizations and individuals and organizations improve their ability to function. Some of that work includes executive coaching. Some of it has to do with diversity and communication. How do we get along as individuals? Within the leading edge, as you can imagine, when I started this company, it's really founded on my core values and beliefs, which are really my understanding of my religious belief as a Baha'i and how it relates to my work as an executive coach and business consultant. And one of the key components in creating the balance in my life is understanding the harmony of science, research, and spirituality and how they go hand in hand. So my company and my belief system has to do with my core values as a Baha'i and my understanding of the Baha'i scriptures. And what inspired you to get into this work? Looking at the need for people to have a better understanding on how to deal with situations. I believe that God is the creator and source of all good in the world. And as we go through the journey of life, we're constantly having an opportunity to learn and see things in a new light. Sometimes we see things in a new light after being extremely challenged, where we get frustrated with situations, circumstances, or we just feel, why are things going the way they are and how do we go about changing them? I see this as the beauty of life, is being able to engage things in a new way and learn from experiences. So one of the gifts of the Baha'i faith is to take time to pray and meditate, for example, daily. Even though in my executive coaching and consulting, I may not approach it as prayer and meditation, but it's really about reflection, however we choose, whatever our belief system may be, to engage with that. So you said executive training was one area, and you mentioned another area in which leading-edge training does work in. Yeah, we work with various organizations in, in trying to improve their ability to be more profitable, better at communication in, in the organization, building better teams. And within that line of work, all of it includes people and individuals that we work with. And within that, we have an opportunity to learn from one another, exchange with one another, how do we create stronger teams? How do we engage and consult in a way that helps us not only improve our own skills, but look at others and improve theirs? 
as I mentioned to you, with this notion of reflection, as we may call it, or in the Baha'i faith, we refer to it as meditation. In one of the Baha'i writings, it talks about the purpose of meditation is to compare today with yesterday and see in what condition we are. If our faith is stronger and we are more connected to God, then we thank God and ask Him for an increase in these qualities. If we find that is not the case, then we ask God for help and take steps to reflect and decide how to do things differently. So in this notion of self-improvement, we always have the opportunity to look internal as much as we have the opportunity to look external and engage with others. So one of the key components is to see how we can improve ourselves internally. And perhaps one of the ways I do that as an individual is to connect to my creator through prayer and taking the time to meditate. And I find that sometimes when I work with individuals and they've done that, it gives them the inner strength to engage in their day in a much more focused and directed way. And I see that you have also have done marriage facilitations. Can you talk about that? Certainly. So just as there's opportunities for all of us to improve as individuals within organizations, the area of preparing for marriage, marriage and parenting is is an area that's been of interest to me for many years. Uh, My husband and I have been offering courses on marriage and parenting over the last 15 years. And as a matter of fact, through the state of Minnesota, there's a marriage license discount that individuals receive if they go through the course that we have, which is based on the Baha'i writings on this topic. We really take the first module to discuss the opportunity to self-reflect and knowing ourselves because one of the pieces that we bring into a marriage is to know ourselves and what we're bringing into it. And then, of course, then we look at how is marriage a divine institution, for example, if we look at it from a Baha'i perspective. And within that, the roles of communication and consultation, what consultation is and what consultation is not. We have both courses that we offer that are uh, Baha'i writings-based, which really delve into the Baha'i writings on this topic, which we find it's very rich to discuss these topics. And then sometimes we take the opportunity to role-play. And of course, one of the fruits of marriage at times may be children. And then it becomes through navigating through parenting issues. It's one of the most fulfilling roles that we have if we are blessed with children but it can also be the most challenging. Taking the time to discuss these issues, having some tools to work with, we find has helped individuals who are going through these courses. Now, you mentioned Baha'i principles of marriage. I was wondering if you could tell us some of the fundamental principles that the Baha'i faith have about marriage. Well, just as the overall Baha'i foundation piece is unity and diversity. So one of the key components of the principles of the marriage is the equality of men and women. Equality does not mean sameness, but it means that each individual in the marriage, the husband or the wife, bring a unique gift and gems that they bring into the marriage. 
it's about how do we help each other grow spiritually and become better individuals and better servants of humanity, both within the marriage and within the context of humanity. Some of the fundamental Baha'i laws, for example, that have to do with marriage is that we believe that you need the consent of six people if they're alive. Two of them are the bride and the groom, which in order for people to get married, we need the consent of the bride and the groom and the living parents of the bride and the living parents of the groom. That these are biological parents if we know who they are and if they're alive. If not, we have step-parents, of course. There's always the gift of inviting them and asking their consent. But really, the fundamental core piece about having the consent in marriage is to leave behind the notion of perhaps an arranged marriage or where sometimes people were pressured into becoming married and really bringing it as a component of two individuals coming together to create a family that becomes the nucleus with the extension of the family being moved out to the family beyond that to the community to humanity. So the core of the Baha'i marriage becomes about its involvement in building society and civilization. As a matter of fact, I could perhaps share with you a quotation on this topic, which probably does a better job of explaining it, if you're if you'd like me to share that with you. Sure. Compare the nations of the world to the members of a family. A family is a nation in miniature. Simply enlarge the circle of the household and you have the nation. Enlarge the circle of the nation and you have all humanity. The conditions surrounding the family surround the nation. The happenings in the family are the happenings in the life of the nation. Would it add to the progress and an advancement of a family if dissension should arise among its members, fighting, pillaging each other, jealous and revengeful or injury, seeking selfish advantage? Nay, this would be the cause of the effacement of progress and advancement. So, it is in this, the great family of nations, for nations are but the aggregate of families. So what I get from that is that the family is the building block of the community of nations. Exactly. Can you explain why you think the Baha'i teachings have the prerequisite to marriage to be the permission of the parents of the bride and groom? The whole notion is that hopefully parents are doing their role in raising children who are self-aware and are forward thinkers and are there who know them from the beginning of, of when they are brought into this world and can help them in this process called marriage. Because really the marriage is not of two individuals coming together. It's really the, the two families also coming together. Within that context, that builds as we have children and these children bring the family together, the extended family together, and it encompasses a much bigger 
perspective of all coming together. So sometimes, though, parents can have their prejudices that could influence their permission for their children. It's one of those things that can become a test and a challenge for individuals when they're seeking consent if they find that at times the parents are not taking the opportunity to either take this process in a serious way or are biased in their thinking and and their judgment. Actually, I'm a member of the Faculty on the Wilmette Institute course, and we dedicated a whole course on the consent process because it's one that is really meant to bring about unity. And in this process of getting consent, the future husband and wife have an opportunity to go through this process and get to know each other's family, get to know the dynamics. At times, they may be a test, an obstacle, and figure out how to navigate through these situations and then to explore them deeper to understand how they may do it in the future. It's actually a really deep topic that we could spend more than an hour just on this whole notion of consent and the process that it engages. But it's really meant to look at it from a higher perspective of seeking to bring about unity in humanity rather than either just going through the notion of it or not really embracing it because then you're not really embracing the couple and doing the best you can to support and love them and encourage them in this new institution that's been born. So you mentioned the Wilmette Institute. Can you explain to folks what the Wilmette Institute is? Yes. The Wilmette Institute is an online program that is designed to offer the high perspectives on various topics. The Women Institute, for example, offers the high perspective on climate change. There's various courses that are offered through the Women Institute. The ones that I serve on a faculty team on are the ones that are focused on preparing for marriage and marriage. So our area has four faculty members between here and UK that work with individuals globally on this topic where we have materials that we study and go through and do assignments and various work. Now, I understand that you have researched and lectured on various aspects of the Baha'i faith in diverse venues around the globe. I was wondering if you could talk about where have you been to discuss and do research. I had the privilege of meeting a Baha'i when I was 18 years old, who was living in England at the time, traveling around the globe and talking about various aspects of the Baha'i faith. She had done work with the Red Cross and was great at bringing people together to discuss some of these topics. And she asked if I wanted to join her in her travels, and she would serve as a mentor to me. In that role, as you can imagine, I learned a lot in in that mentoring, which has helped me to become an executive coach in, in helping others through this process. Because part of my understanding and my beliefs in the Baha'i faith is that one of the ways we really can help each other is by encouraging and recognizing that each one of us has a free will that we can engage to do various things. 
as we engage our free will, we can choose to do wonderful things in the world or we can choose to do things that are not so wonderful. So in that context, as Baha'is, we believe that God has created us noble human beings. And if that's the case, how do we help each other really cultivate that and harness that greatness that we have? In another quotation of the faith, it says, regard man as a mind rich in gems of inestimable value. Education can alone cause it to reveal its treasures and enable mankind to benefit therefrom. One of the key components in my travels with my mentor, Meharangis Minsis, and my own work is that as we learn and we go through and we educate others and we educate ourselves, we have a greater awareness and a keener understanding of how we can engage with the world and the situations that we come across. Now, what's interesting is there's been a lot of research done, and a lot of my work that I do for Leading Edge is based on scientific approaches and research that's occurred. And one of those has to do with what makes people happy, the happiness that people have. Psychological research has shown that happy people do not compare themselves to others or are overly concerned from others' opinions of them. They're directed from inside their personal values and convictions and staying true to themselves. And it is their inner compass that they will not violate. So research shows that people with intrinsic motivation that comes from their own heart are more successful. And the reason for this is that these people reach goals that they themselves have decided to achieve from their own heart, not because of pressure from others. So by this, I don't mean that they ignore correction and input from others, far from it. The most internally directed people are the most open to feedback and learning. I believe we're all on a journey and none of us are perfect. Therefore, one of the ways we can go through this journey of life is to be on the lookout for good and real people and see how we can harness that in them and how they can harness that goodness in us. And that in itself can become a very fulfilling life as we serve humanity and and look for how we can help others. Hoda, you had mentioned folks seeking happiness What are your thoughts about being of service? Yeah, that's a very good question. You know, there's this quotation that I believe is one of the great spiritual laws of life. Once I read it, it has really stuck with me. It's one of my core values expounded on this. It's based from the Baha'i writing, and it goes like this. The more we search for ourselves, the less likely we are to find ourselves. And the more we search for God and to serve our fellow men, the more profoundly will we become acquainted with ourselves and the more inwardly assured. This is one of the great spiritual laws of life. So this whole notion of looking for opportunities to serve our fellow men and the more we do that, the more we are of service, the more we will become inwardly assured. It really becomes the key component of building our 
innate selves. So this notion of trying to become service-oriented changes from trying to self-serve and being outwardly oriented to serving others, which then engages a whole different way of looking at ourselves. Because based, again, on my belief system, this is another quotation that refers to it, is that the self has two meanings. One is self, the identity of the individual created by God. The other self is the ego, the dark animalistic heritage each one of us has, the lower nature. It is this self we must struggle against or this side of our nature in order to strengthen and free the spirit within us and help it to attain perfection. Self-sacrifice means to subordinate our lower nature and its desire to the more godly and noble side of ourselves. Then God purifies and glorifies our true self until it becomes shining in a wonderful reality. So this really means that we continuously have this inner struggle on where we are overcoming our lower nature and turning to our higher nature and engaging it in that realm. Once we arise to serve others, we really have to leave that lower nature self behind and be oriented as to how we can serve others. In that process, we become rich ourselves. We learn more about ourselves. We start to see what our weaknesses and our strengths are and build muscles that we didn't even know we had. So these two quotations really go hand in hand in having us understand that we do have a lower and higher nature, but also to help us understand that as we become outwardly oriented in serving others, we also benefit in the process. Now, isn't there a quotation from the Baha'i writings about the relationship between prayer and service? Absolutely, but you're going to have to refresh my memory which <laughs> okay. one you're referring to. I, I believe it goes that work in the spirit of service is the same as prayer. Yes, absolutely. That is so profound. As a matter of fact, this mentor that I was speaking to you about, she decided to really pursue this notion of studying about prayer and meditation because she wondered why is it that people would sit for hours to try to elevate off the ground when they could just take an elevator. And she had a very practical approach to say there is something to be said about being practical in our approach, prayer, meditation, reverence, respect, and communicating with our creator is of utmost importance. But there's also the practical aspect of where we apply our understanding of what God is asking us to do and to actually go out there and do it. And that is a key piece to having prayer in action, where we're actually doing things and being practical in our approach. Not just pray and meditate so that we can elevate a few inches off the ground. For that, we can take an elevator or take the stairs, but to actually pray and ask God to help us so that we can have a practical approach in helping humanity, and helping people who have needs that we can perhaps help with. 
and being very practical in, in our perspective on life and how we can help enrich each other's lives in that way. You had mentioned that one of the Baha'i teachings is the independent investigation of truth and that one does not just become a Baha'i from their parents, but rather each should investigate for themselves the truth and the veracity of the Baha'i faith. And I'm wondering what that process was for you and at what age did you work out that the Baha'i faith was not just the religion of your parents, but the path that you wanted to follow in your own life? Mm, wonderful question. Well, I think it, it had to be around ages 12 to 16, 17. It was really where I was engaged deeply in that search of trying to learn as much as I could about various religions, various ways of life. I've had the gift of travel around the world many times over, and, and in that, seeing many different ways of engaging culture, upbringing, background, experiences, and faith systems, beliefs. And in that process, I was really trying to figure out what are my beliefs, what are my systems. As I studied the various aspects of the faith, they all had the same spiritual teachings about honesty, truthfulness, goodness. Yet some of their social teachings were different because the manifestations, the prophets came at different times. So as I went through this journey and talked to the various members of the various faiths and read about it, it became more and more clear the similarities between the religions. And one of the aspects of the Baha'i faith that attracted me was this notion of unity and diversity. The fact that by being a Baha'i, I accept the various religions of God. That I am expected to engage my free will and be consciously aware of my religious beliefs. And I actually, because I was raised in the Baha'i faith, I decided to test my parents a bit. And I wanted to wait and see what would happen. Would they bring up the faith? Would they say, well, hold up, what are your asks? You know, do you want to be a Baha'i? I was going to test them. So I, I didn't say anything for a while to see if, if they were going to question me. And I'd have to say my parents were very wise and not asking me any questions. They allowed me the opportunity to engage my free will and to learn about various aspects of faith. And as you can imagine, being 12 or 13, I needed rides to go to synagogues or, you know, mosque and the Buddhist temple to observe their gatherings and how they worship God and find out more about it. It was through that engagement of my own free will, understanding, and readings of the faith that I was attracted to it. But there was also another component, and that had to do with the spark of faith within. And that's really when I felt a connection to God. And I would have to say that came about through prayer and asking God to help me and to guide me in, in this journey. In that process, it became more and more clear to me that the Baha'i faith was the way for me to engage 
that was my core belief and my values, my principles were based on those writings. Now, one of the beautiful teachings of the Baha'i Faith is, as I mentioned earlier, the independent investigation of truth. And we're always investigating. We're always learning. So I love an opportunity to sit and learn about other belief systems and appreciate them because they're also sacred because they come from God. So in that exchange of learning and appreciation, there's so much to be gained. Hoda, you were raised as a Baha'i. That implies that your family ancestry were Baha'i. How far back does your family go being Baha'is? On my mother's side, my grandfather became a Baha'i. This would have been late 1800s that he learned about the Baha'i faith in Iran and became a Baha'i. On my father's side, my grandfather had been a Baha'i, but before him, his father had become a Babi, which is the religion that's the forerunner to the Baha'i faith, in Kabbalah, when the prophet founder of the Babi faith, the Bab, had gone to Kabbalah and declared his mission. My great-grandfather did not tell his family that he had become a Babi until much later, because at the time, it wasn't faith, and they were persecuting the, ba- the Babis. So he had decided that in order not to endanger his children's lives, he wouldn't share that with them until it was later on in years that he told them. And, and by that time, they had learned of the Baha'i faith themselves and had become Baha'is in Iraq. So I invite my listeners to look up the Messenger of God, the Bab, spelled B-A-B, on Wikipedia for a history. The Bab declared himself a messenger of God in uh, 1844, and it created great consternation within Iran, and many, many Babis were persecuted, tortured, and martyred just for being a follower of the Bab. It was a tumultuous uh, six years, mm. 1844 yeah. to 1850. And in that time, 20,000 Babis were, were martyred as a result. And this is the precursor, the bedrock upon which the Baha'i faith was born with the prophet founder of Baha'u'llah. So I encourage my listeners to really investigate that rich, religious, amazing time in, in Iranian history. Now, Hoda, you came to the United States when you were eight years old. Was this before or after the Iranian Revolution? That was before the Iranian Revolution. So we left before the whole regime changed. And well, my childhood memories of Iran is a very peaceful time. So you didn't, have, you didn't experience any persecution directly at yourself during that time? When the riots first started in Iran, or in Tehran, where we were living at the time. I remember the one time that they were in our neighborhood and they started to come close to where we live. My parents looked at each other and said, wow, this is not okay. Let's go to Germany, where I had families living. My siblings were living in the States at the time, and my parents had planned to retire both and sent money to both Canada and the United States. So they said, you know, let's go to Germany until things calm down. 
And when things get better, we'll come back. While we were in Germany is when the whole regime changed. We ended up not going back. So technically, I guess I'm still on vacation (laughs) Um, (laughs) on an extended trip and the trip of life. And we moved to Minnesota where my sister was working as an engineer. This must have been right before the regime change. It was a few months before, yeah. Mm. So this must have been a dramatic culture change for you. Absolutely. I would say that it was quite a bit of a change in lifestyle and life as I knew it. But again, given that I was so young, it made it probably the easiest for me to adapt to the changes given my age, I would say, in my family. And I would have to say that one of the wonderful gifts that my parents gave me is that they always said, you know, you're welcome to lead your life however you wish, um, whether it's based on Persian culture or American culture. The only thing we ask you is that it's based on using your common sense Mm -hmm. and your understanding of the Baha'i faith. So as long as it's within that context, you're welcome to embrace whichever culture you wish to embrace it with. I would have to say that even though my mom and dad are both Persian, are Iranian, my three sisters and I have all married Americans and my brother has married a Japanese woman. So we truly embrace this notion of unity and diversity and bringing as much of humanity together as possible and embracing our differences and and coming together and celebrating it. It's a way of life for us. What was the greatest surprise to you culturally coming to the United States from Iran? I have to say that this is a culture that embraces its differences. The fact that people are so kind and helpful, the United States is truly a melting pot that embraces all, appreciates all. You have individuals who help one another. So that was something that was a cultural shock to see how welcoming the people were in this country. And did you speak English when you first came? I didn't, but again, because I was so young, I mean, I had English classes in Iran Mm -hmm. in school, but they were very few words that I spoke. But again, within six months, I was able to catch up and be able to attend classes with everyone else. And because I was academically ahead in Iran, it helped so that those six months could be dedicated in learning the language and being able to catch up pretty quick. So I would have to say that I was very fortunate in that regard, given my age. Hodo, is there something that you haven't done yet that you still would like to do if you could? There's a lot that I haven't done, <laughs> and there's a lot I would love to do. What's 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 at the, the top of the list? One of the things that I absolutely love is getting to know the diversity of humankind. I love having friends from all over the world with various lifestyles, approaches, experiences, and coming together, exchanging them, laughing about them, learning from one another, and appreciating them. So I would have to say that even though I've been blessed with the gift of travel, I hope to continue that 
and in those travels to continue to have the opportunity to meet phenomenal people who have done wonderful things in the world and are doing things that we can learn from. And um, I, I hope that I continue to learn from other individuals who have done phenomenal things. Sounds great. Well, Hoda, thank you so much for telling us what you do and about yourself. You're most welcome, Warren. Thank you for creating this podcast. It's wonderful, and I'm glad to be a part of it. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Hoda Kemp, president of Leading Edge Training Company. You can find this interview and other interviews at www.abahaiperspective.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching for A Baha'i Perspective. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website www.baha'i.org or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective. The photograph I see Comes alive so easily And tells me of a life That was so pure He would never turn Away from anyone And the love in his eyes Is so real Suffered all his life to show us how to be free. He could always love his enemy. And through the worst of trials, he could always smile and lift the heart of every friend up so high. living was worth
through thy love, through thy love, oh. Through thy love, through thy love, oh. Bind together all the hearts and join in a chord of souls. Oh Lord, make all of mankind. As the stars that shine from the same sky, and as the perfect fruits that are growing high, through Thy love, through Thy love, oh, through Thy love, through Thy love, oh, let us bind together all the hearts and join in a chord of souls. This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.